Hi, and welcome to the Engineers HVAC podcast, where our mission is to empower and educate the HVAC community. And today we're going to talk, do a little bit of HVAC review and talk about this heat transfer equation Q equals 500 times GPM times delta T. And to do that, I got my good friend Tony first here this morning. Tony, what is happening? Good morning, Mr. Mormino. How are you, brother? I'm doing good. And I think we're billing this as the Tony Squared mission or the Tony yes. Squared episodes. I don't know. Tony times Tony. So we're nerds. We're engineers. We're going to come up with a, a a nerdy engineering thing called Tony Squared. So that's where, yeah. that's the best we could do for you on Monday morning. Hey, it, you know, I mean, we got to get together on Monday mornings, you know, got our coffee going. It's, uh, you know, the weather's finally starting to turn around a little bit here. We're starting to get some warmer weather, uh, at least here in Columbus anyway. Um, it was in the fifties yesterday. It's going to be in the fifties this week. So this is a good thing. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. I love these quick, you know, Hey, let's hop on and talk about something that's on our mind, which is, you know, I've been doing a lot of examples with the sensible heat equation for CFM, you know, US equals 1.08 times CFM to Delta T. And, you know, Tony called me, he's like, Hey man, I love all this stuff you're doing. Where's the chill water love? Where's the pump love? You know, where's the love for the Delta T 500 GPM equation? I said, great, let's go. <laughs> what are you doing Monday? So, so yeah. here we are. That's how this stuff happens, right? Right. So, you know, one of the things you got to look at, you know, we look at how do we calculate load in a building? You know, okay. So, you know, we do a load calc and it tells us what we need. And if we're going to do a hydronic system, well, how much water flow do we need? And that's where the, the the universal hydronic formula comes into play. Is that it's, what you call it? The universal hydronic formula? Yeah, Is that what it's because, known as? I've never heard it called that before. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, sensible really only applies, sensible and latent applies to the air side. Mm-hmm. Every coil has a, you know, total BTUs. Well, all I care about is the total. I don't care about right. the sensible and the latent. All I care is about the total on the water side. Now, you know, it does play into it a little bit on its cooling tower, but I'm still, it's, it's still all water flow. So right in terms of going through a coil or a chill barrel, there's no right. separation distinction between sensible and latent. It's just right. ETUs per hour. Right. So. Right. Now the, the equation, the way we've got it written up on the screen right now, the 500 times GPM times Delta T. First of all, you have to understand that is for water only. Okay. Right. So if you got if you got something other than water, you know, glycol, calcium chloride, take your pick of other heat. Other water solutions. Right. Other heat Not other than re- pure 100% water. Right. Got it. Um, you have to understand that 500 is going to change. Okay. The GPM, the delta T, those are those are hard and fast. Okay. But the 500 is going to change. 500. So in case anybody doesn't know where it came from. Yeah, let's talk about that. Okay. So that is the gallons per minute that we're moving, okay, times the weight of water, which is 8.34 pounds per gallon, okay, times 60 minutes in an hour, right? Yep. Times the specific heat of water, which is 1 BTU per pound. Now that's the key because doesn't that change? Does that change with temperature and mixture? So here's yeah, here's the thing. So mm-hmm. excuse me, I just 
screwed up. Um, GPM's not in that formula. It's eight eight point three point. But it's a gallon of water. You were right, saying it's a the gallon of water. Weight, the weight about. of a gallon of water. Weight right. of a gallon of water. The key to this is understanding that the specific heat changes with the fluid. Mm. Okay, one BTU per pound for water. If I've got thirty percent ethylene glycol, the specific heat is one point. Two eight or something like that. I don't remember. I'd have to. I have my little cheat sheet, and I'd have to go look at my cheat sheet. Which is a major difference. Yeah. So right. this is why, you know, we do things differently when we have glycols, and and propylene glycol and ethylene glycol are different. So if you are using, if you have ethylene in your system, and you decide, okay, I want to get rid of the ethylene because ethylene has a different toxicity level than propylene. Mm -hmm. And you take the ethylene out, put propylene in. All of a sudden, your flow rate's not going to be right. Mm. Okay, because you got to correct for the correct fluid that's in the system. But the thing to understand with this is that I can calculate out anything that I need in the way of performance using this formula. Okay. So if I look at this and let's say that I know what my pick on boilers, if I know okay. what my output firing rate is for a boiler and I don't know what water flow I'm moving through that boiler. Okay. The tags are gone off the pump. I have no idea what the pump is doing. Mm-hmm then what I can do is I can look at this and go, okay, I'm going to morph the formula around a little bit and figure out what my water flow is. Right. So, so let's walk through. So you, the Q, Q BTUs per hour, you were talking about the output firing rate of a boiler. Yep. Let's, let's come up with one. Give me an example of a So we've got a hundred thousand, or let's make it uh, 3 million BTUs for a boiler. 3 million BTUs. Okay. okay. So we know and, that. And we're going to say we got plain water because we're going to make this easy. Okay. And we're going to say that the boiler is operating at a 20 degree delta T. 20 degree delta C. Got it. Okay. So I take the 3 million. Yep. And I got to get my calculator out because I'm not doing this in my head. No, I got you. I got the calculator right here. Okay. So take the 3 million divided by 500. Divided by 20. And then divide by 20. So that would be, if I did my math right, 300 GPM. Yep. So very practical example of, you know, how you would use this equation. Right. And, you know. and so, you know, how many times as, as an engineer have you or I gone out to a job site and you got a pump sitting there on a boiler or on a chiller and I have no idea what the flow rate is on the pump. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether it's moving the right amount of water. I don't know what it's doing because the tag's gone. Well, right. knowing this formula, I can go, oh, okay, that pump is moving, you know, 200 gallon a minute, 300 gallon a minute, 500 gallon a minute. I can calculate out what that pump is doing at any point in time. This is the reason that this formula is really, really important and everybody needs to know it. And, mm -hmm. you know, I know, you know, we guarantee we, we talk about this, you know, being the engineers podcast. But the reality is mm -hmm. it doesn't make any difference whether you are a engineer or whether you are a 
service guy or a sales guy, you need to know yeah. this because this is going to help you understand what your flow rates are. Conversely, yeah. if you know, if you know, and and so it, if you're if you got a coil and you're not sure what the flow rate is through the coil, same thing. You know what the you know what the capacity of the coil is. You know what the delta T is. You can work it out. And this is why this formula is the universal hydronics formula is because it works for so many different things. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can easily plug in the parts that, you know, and figure out the parts you don't know. Yeah. And I think that, you know, brings up a, just a broader conversation of, you know, knowing the, how important knowing the basics are, right. You know, and we, you and I've done, several presentations on psychometrics and and that's a good point you know we call this engineers hvc podcast you have some contractors that listen as well service techs and i'm like you know if you're a service tech you should know the basics of psychometrics and these basic because it helps so much it helps you explain to an owner what's going on with humidity versus relative humidity dew point versus humidity etc and it really doesn't take a lot of time you know for me like i love having one of these i have one of these in my backpack i don't know if we could see that very well but it's got all the equations on there and i make little notes like i universal hydronic equation i don't i may have heard that in the past but i love it i you know i was like what do we call this equation i couldn't remember so um you know and it's funny you you know i spend a lot of time talking about hydronics because i you know i work for you know i work for mm -hmm. a pump company but right. you know it's funny you talk about you have your psych chart i have mine <laughs> yeah. yeah you know Mine is mine is the is the big plastic one. Um, you remember those from? Yeah, I got one of those. I got one of those right over here. So I totally yep. understand. Um, and it's surprising, you know, even though I play on the hydronic side, I use the psychrometrics because if I got a coil that I don't really know what the coil is supposed to be doing, or if I know the flow rate, mm -hmm. and I know what the system delta T is, I can work backwards using the site chart to figure out what that coil is really going to be able to do. Right. And, and it's surprising how the two interplay. And, and this is the key to this is understanding how this formula and the one you talked about the other day for sensible heat on the water side. Um, and, and you can do the same thing on total heat on the water side. If you know the Delta H across the coil, um, yep. you know, you can figure out exactly what that coil is going to do and how it's going to behave. Yeah. And, another, you know, perfect example too, is like with this equation we were talking about earlier, we calculated the GPM, but you know, I know a lot of times I've used it as well to calculate the capacity of a coil. Exactly. You know, the, the trick is you got to know the GPM, which is sometimes a little harder to determine than the Delta T, but if you know the GPM through a chiller barrel, you know, you know, the Delta T, you almost always know the Delta T through a chiller barrel. If you know the GPM then you could tell how many tons the chiller's doing, or if you, right. you know, want to figure out the capacity of a coil, like how much capacity, how many, how much tonnage this is doing. And, you know, you can convert the Q, you know, the BTUs per hour converts to tonnage, um, 12,000 BTUs equals a ton, right? So you could divide that number by, uh, 12,000 and, and get your tonnage. If I'm thinking about that, right. Right. Yeah. So, so super, super important. When I was, yeah. when I came in the industry, they said, there's, here's, here's your tattoos, you know, tattoo these equations on your 
arm or where, wherever you're going to put them. Right. But uh, this was this was definitely one of them. It's been so helpful. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, and I use it every day. I mean, it's it's ingrained in my head. I don't even have to think about it anymore. It just it goes there. And, you know, it's it's this um, the first law of thermodynamics, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the three methods of heat transfer, um, you know, high pressure always goes to low pressure. You know, all these little things that that are the very basics of everything that we do. And people often don't think about them. I mean, at the end of the day, and this is the surprising part about HVAC, you know, yes, we're engineers and we spend a lot of time in school learning all this stuff, but at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, HVAC is really simple. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a bunch of basic science. It's not, we're not putting the space shuttle up in the air. Man, what we're doing is really simple. Simple stuff. At the end of the day, if I look at air conditioning, okay, I'm doing nothing more than transferring heat from someplace that I don't want it to someplace that I don't care. Hmm. It's that simple. Yeah. You know, and and people oftentimes get all hung up in, in what we do for air conditioning, and it's really not that difficult. Got to keep it in the basics sometimes for yep. me anyway. So great reminder. Good reminder about this. I'm glad you called and, you know, jumped on me. I'm going to do some, I've been doing these, all this HVAC equation examples. And I, I tend to focus on air more because that's just kind of like more of what I focused on in the past, but I'm going to start um, focusing more on the water and let's talk about a couple of resources. So um, if you want to learn more about topics like this, chilled water presentations, all things pumping, I would put a plug in for Armstrong's website, armstrongfluidtechnology.com. And I looked this morning, they have 189 webinars. And Tony First is probably on <laughs> many, if not all of them. And I have to tell you, they're extremely valuable content. So go back, um, you know, check those out if you want to learn, or if you got new engineers and you want to learn about pumps, you know, it's not, they're not all sales pitch webinars, right? There, there's some product stuff, but 99% of it is like, you know, here's what pump laws are. Here's why this is important. It's kind of stuff like we're talking about today. Is that right, right Tony? Exactly. And and once you get in there and you you get signed up to be able to view the webinars, you'll get notices. We do two new webinars every month. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got one coming up in a week, um, week from tomorrow, actually, uh, where I'm talking about harmonics and variable frequency drives. Hmm. Uh, because there's a lot of misinformation about harmonics and how to deal with it and what it is, and what it isn't. And so we're going to have a, we're going to have a one hour webinar on hydronics or the harmonics, excuse me. Harmonics. Yeah. Um, another H word. Um, but what, what we're trying to do is educate people. I'm not telling, I'm not going to tell you that one methodology is better than another. But I want people to understand there are some things that you really, really got to pay attention to. Um, and and my good friend Armin just put the the website address up, see there, that. up there for me. Um, so everybody, that's the web address. Um, and please go check it out. There's all kinds of webinars. I guarantee, like Tony said, uh, they are not sales pitches because I'm not a sales guy. I'm an engineer. And right. so it's all about the technical training and all about educating people. 
Um, yeah, for sure. We also have a, I know there's a, we've got one coming up on, uh, I, I know somebody had just popped up a, a note that um, somebody wants a, a webinar on district cooling design. And we are working on that. Um, I've got, I've got the webinar, like I've got the webinar schedule pretty much laid out through the middle of the year, uh, but I can always change it. Um, and so that one is always a possibility. Um, and nice. we can, that would be a good one for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing to understand. District energy is really starting to take off. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we had, I don't, Tony, I don't think you were at the booth when we did this. So at AHR, uh, the end of the day on Monday, I did a presentation from the booth about district energy. Um, it's, there's been a bunch of recordings popping up from a lot of the different industry publications that were part of the presentation I did. But what we're seeing is as we start thinking about electrification and decarbonization, we're going to start seeing more and more push to go towards district energy. It's very, very common in the UK mm. and continental Europe. We're going to start seeing it more and more here. Cooling, um, and, just, cooling and heating, you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to see it. I mean, Tony, think mm. about data centers. You know, yeah. Data centers have a oh huge gosh. cooling load and Enormous. they make a tremendous amount of heat. Mm -hmm. And they're throwing it to the atmosphere. Well, if we can capture that waste heat, mm. even for part of the year, and do something productive with it, because we need heat in literally every building. It doesn't make any difference, even in, in the summertime. We need reheat water in buildings uh, for right, humidity right. control, right? So why not capture that waste heat from the data center, send it back out, and use it to heat buildings or to reheat buildings. Wow. So much heat, too, comes out of a data center. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Good idea. I like it. Yeah, district cooling and harmonics. I'll tune into that one. If you could do me a favor and explain harmonics during that, like you're talking to a three-year-old, that would help me a lot. <laughs> um, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it in terms I've read of about those for the... 25 years, I every once in a while, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go read about this and try to understand it. But, you know, I get the principle and the idea and the, you know, the things to look out for when you're installing VFDs. Anyway, so yeah, so thanks for that. AHR, let's switch gears here. Um, okay. How is the AHR Expo? And I would like to also touch on, so you and I did a live show from the booth. We did about a 15-minute yes, discussion on, you know, the new permanent magnet motors and judging from the 800 hours of view time of that video, which if you're watching us and you support our online efforts, we great, greatly appreciate that. That was probably a record for a live show um, after a couple days of being online. You could check, you could see that, by the way, on our YouTube channel, HVAC TV. Um, and if you're watching, you're listening to this on our podcast or YouTube channel later, I'll drop that link in the show notes. You can just check the description. But so anyway, how was AHR? expo from an armstrong standpoint and then maybe we could touch a little bit on the new permanent magnet motors okay so from a, from our perspective the show was really good uh, a lot of awful lot of booth traffic um monday and tuesday mm -hmm. uh, i don't know what the booth traffic was on wednesday i got out of there i had a customer visit that i had to do on wednesday up in chicago so i got out of there and didn't do that mm -hmm. but 
the the booth traffic was really solid uh, Monday and Tuesday. And Chicago's always good because I mean, even though the weather was less than desirable, um, the the traffic through Chicago is always good just because the space mm-hmm. is so big. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a lot of people coming in talking about district energy. We had a lot of people talking about, um, you know, the evolution of pumping and, you know, you and I talked about it during, uh, during our little live podcast, live cast, um, about permanent magnet motors and the changes we're seeing there. But we also talked about the evolution of pumping design and moving from, big duty standby basement and suction pumps all the way up to today's technology using parallel pumping and the size difference in what it takes to meet flow and head using parallel pumping versus the old duty standby concept. Mm -hmm. And if you remember, we looked at the, at the 3d printed model and, and what, what that really equates to. Okay. And, and yep. it's, it's a one six scale. So you can see it in scale of what that looks like. And unfortunately I don't have, I don't have pictures I could show here. Um, but we can make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cool part about it is, so, you know, we talk about decarbonization and we talk about reducing our carbon footprint and I don't know whether you noticed or not, our booth was smaller this year than it has been in years past. Okay, not hugely different, but a little bit smaller. Mm. Well, we didn't ship 10,000 pounds worth of iron to the show because we did it as a 3D Because you had the model. 3D printed model, which was, it, yeah, so you can see that video on our, on the YouTube video. And it's really cool because it walks through scale models of here's, here's how we used to do it. Here's how we could do it now. And it shows the footprint you save. And the different types of technologies it's really neat right but the the cool part is you know we're not just doing things from an in- industry standpoint of making pumps more efficient using variable speed drives and shore plan optimization all those things that we do but we're doing it in how we show off our technology at a show right by not shipping ten thousand pounds of iron from toronto canada to chicago illinois for a show Yep. So there's, you know, there's a significant carbon reduction in not shipping all that. So it, it's, it's things like that, that you have to think about what we're doing and what impact we're all having on the industry. So that kind of leads me to my next conversation, which is about permanent magnet motors. Hey, there's the, there's the link to the video. Yeah. Before you go about. there, I was just going to show, trying to get fancy with sharing the screen here live, but there's kind of a walkthrough of what we're talking about, which is really cool. I won't play the whole thing, but I just want to give people a flavor for what you're referring to, which is make that a little bigger. There we go. So you can see it in the background, the little 3d printed models, which is a great idea. And there was this interactive screen here too, which compared them, which, you know, what you're saying is what a, what a benefit from shipping, you know, 10,000 pounds of equipment. Plus you get to see it all in one frame, which for me is very helpful, like right next right. to each other. So anyway, I just wanted to share that while you were talking. I was like, I wonder if I could pull this up from YouTube. Anyway, so I'll kill that, but okay. So permanent magnet motors. 
All I'll right. pull up a shot of that while you're talking and I'll just, yeah. I'll just show this screen as well. So, so you know, number of years, several years ago, we switched to permanent magnet motors for our pumps up to 10 horsepower, which was great. And, you know, that's where that motor technology was. And, um, in looking at it, what we've done because the motor technology is continuing to advance and we're moving forward in what we're doing. Um, we have now started to manufacture a line of pumps in um, permanent magnet IBS pumps. Okay. And they are up to 60 horsepower in size. So what was that term you just used, Tony? I'm sorry. Um, IBS. IBS, I intelligent variable speed. Got it. Okay. And, and basically what's happening is, is that we've, you know, we've relied, I mean, we've all grown up using induction motors. Okay. Mm -hmm. And induction motors, they have to understand is part of the energy that goes into that motor goes into the stator and part of the energy goes into the rotor. Okay, the rotor is the part that moves roundy around. The stators, the motor windings that are fixed inside the housing. Mm -hmm. Well, if we go to permanent magnet style motors, we take the standard rotor out, we strip all the copper, all the steel, all the iron off of it, and we replace it with rare earth permanent magnets. Okay, they're manufactured to fit in that curve. They're epoxy coated. They're mounted to the rotor. And then we put the rotor back in. Now it's not quite that simple, but the motor right. has been redesigned to work with permanent magnets as opposed to an induction style rotor. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, when we do that, the motors become more energy efficient. They use less energy because part of the energy input is no longer required. To, to create the magnetic field. Right. I don't have to it's have permanent. Right. Right. Um, because it's a permanent magnet, I don't have to spend that energy input creating an induced voltage and induced current in the rotor. Does that ever wear out, Tony? I mean, you would call it a permanent magnet, but is it truly permanent? I mean, for the lifetime yeah. of the pump, it probably is. I yes, mean, it is. Yeah. For the lifetime of that pump, it is. Got it. Um, doesn't have so, to be replaced after five years or whatever. Nope. It's, it's really truly nope. permanent. Gotcha. So that's the first thing. The second thing is it's significantly lighter in weight because we've gotten rid of all of that iron and steel out of there. Mm -hmm. It weighs less. So it's easier to handle. Now a 50 horsepower motor, or 60 horsepower motor is still a big motor and you're not going to lift it up by yourself, but in the small motors in the small frame motors up to 10 horsepower, I can easily handle a 10 horsepower permanent magnet motor by myself. Wow. Okay. Um, so there's a significant weight difference. Well, mm -hmm. what does this weight difference mean? Well, it means that it's lower shipping cost because it doesn't weigh as much. Okay. Which reduces the carbon footprint. It reduces the carbon footprint because it uses less energy. Mm -hmm. um, and it requires less support once it's installed. Now, you know, when I look at vertical inlines, I don't, they're designed to be hundred percent pipe mounted. So I don't have to worry about that, but think about installing that pump in a pipeline. Now I don't have to have such beefy hangers above the pump because I've got a lighter weight pump there. So That's all right. of these things help significantly reducing our carbon footprint. 
So this is the reason the permanent magnet motors make so much more sense. Uh, they are, and they're quieter. Mm -hmm. That's the other cool part about them. They're quieter. Um, so, you know, these are things that we really didn't get a chance to dive into in great depth when we were at right. HR. Um, it's still got all of Armstrong's cool technology for uh, connected pumps and, and pump manager and the touch screen. All that stuff is still there. All we've done is changed the motor technology. Nice. That kind of reminds me of the change from incandescent to LED lights. Oh, yes. Do you feel like in five years it's all going to be permanent magnet or is that a lot longer run, do you think, Tony? Or what are your thoughts like for air handling unit? fan motors and, and all the different motors we use. I think, I think we're going to start seeing it. I was at, um, I was at a show last year with, uh, the guys in the booth right next to me were, um, one of the big tower guys and, um, they're starting to migrate that way to permanent mm -hmm. magnet motors. Um, I think we're going to start seeing it more and more. I mean, we're seeing it in the air handling world. We've started seeing, you know, them jump over to permanent magnet motors mm -hmm. in the air handling world and the ECM motors and some of that stuff. So I think it's going to continue um, as we continue down this pathway for decarbonization and, and what we're really doing. Nice. And, and by the way, um, whether you believe all the climate stuff or not, it's kind of like way back when, when we did, you know, we went through the refrigerant transition from getting rid of CFCs to migrating over to HCFCs and HFCs and you know, all the, I've given up trying to keep track of all the refrigerants. <laughs> um, I, it's just, it, it, you know, when I started way back when, when I started out telling me we had five refrigerants that we had to deal with. I know, now I, I don't even, I, it, I just know there's a whole bunch out there. The last, the last five or 10 presentations I've done has been on the, HVAC, I'm sorry, excuse me, the A2L transition, the transition to low GWP refrigerants. I totally right. get it. Yeah. And and so when we look at all that, whether we believe, you know, no matter which side of the, the political spectrum you're on, mm -hmm. the reality is this is what's coming. And yeah, you have to embrace it. You have to move forward with what is coming. Um you know, did I necessarily way back when did I necessarily believe all this stuff about what the issue with refrigerants was? Yeah, I was a little skeptical. Mm -hmm. But keep in mind, that's what was coming. And we've, we've survived, we've made changes. And guess what? We've seen a significant improvement in the environment. It's getting better, but we've still got to fix the energy efficiency piece. And we got to figure out, you know, what we're doing with greenhouse gases because we got rid of the refrigerants. Now we got more to deal with. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you and I both work for companies who invest a lot of time and resources and giving back to the HVAC community. And, you know, there's some links in the chat here. You have to copy and paste them if you're watching it live on YouTube or LinkedIn, but we'll put them in the show notes as well. And you can go check out, you know, Armstrong's a series of almost 200 webinars. And I put a link in there if you want to download our psych chart, which has all these equations we're talking about. And Tony, I really enjoyed this. How about we do this again? Yeah, we got to do this again. We can uh, have to think about what we want to talk about next. Um, 
you know, maybe we'll talk about uh, geothermal or water source heat pumps or something. We got all kinds of things we can talk about. That sounds great, Tony. All right, buddy. All thank right. you so much for your time. If you could hang out for a minute, I'll put us in the waiting room for a minute and okay. we'll recap here in a second. And thank you all so much for listening. For those of you who listen to our podcast and our YouTube channel and support, you know, Armstrong and Hobbs and Insight with all of our online efforts to give back to the HBC community, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. All right, Tony, I'll see you in a second, buddy. All right, see you, bud.